You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my friends who are much into music theater to different types of pop and rock music. And sometimes they'll introduce me to some theater music. Talking about Boston by Boston. With me, I have Isaiah. Hello. Kay. Hey. And Romy. Hi. Boston is the eponymous debut studio album by the American rock band of the same name. It was released on August 25th, 1976 under Epic Records. It was produced by Tom Schultz and John Boylan, and the genres are hard rock. Now I'm going to read the all music review from Vic Weinegar. Boston is one of the best-selling albums of all time, and deservedly so. Because of the rise of disco and punk, FM rock seemed all but dead until the rise of acts like Boston, Tom Petty, and Bruce Springsteen. Nearly every song on Boston's debut album could still be heard on classic rock radio decades later due to the strong vocals of Brad Delp and unique guitar sound of Tom Schultz. Schultz, who wrote most of the songs, was a studio wizard and used self-designed equipment such as 12-track recording devices to come up with an anthemic arena rock sound before the term was even coined. The sound was hard rock, but the layered melodies and harmonies reveal the work of a master craftsman. While much has been written about the sound of the album, the lyrics are often overlooked. There are songs about their rise from a bar band and rock and roll band, as well as fond remembrances of summers gone by and more than a feeling. Boston is essential for any fan of classic rock, and the album marks a reemergence of the genre in the 1970s. Uh, here's hoping I don't regret saying this, but what do we think of the self-titled debut by Boston? Hmm. It's good. It's serious, it all right. It's good. It's good, but nothing more. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Well, I actually like this one. It's yeah, it's good, but it's likable. Yeah, when you mentioned that basically every track on it gets radio play, I think that's exactly what works against it for me, since I've basically heard like all of these songs before. Hmm. Unless In- we're talking about foreplay, foreplay is a great song. Yeah. In theory. <laughs> That that would work the same way for me. Like I've just heard these tracks so much that they become too overplayed to me, and I never want to hear this again. But there's something about these songs that that makes me just come back for more, despite how many times they've they've been played. It's like it's it's almost perfection in the classic rock format. Yeah, it has its charms. And this the Boston gets like uh, shoved in with like other hard rock contemporaries like Foghat and Foreigner and Bad Company, but somehow this this album is able to like transcend its roots and become something more. I know that sounds pretentious, but it's true. <laughs> I I first heard a more than a feeling in the uh, Inside Out trailer. That was like my first exposure to Boston. Like most people, uh, that's how I got introduced to like boston's music and it wasn't until like three years later when i was re-watching madagascar 2 when i realized oh shoot boston is in this movie 
<laughs> it, it plays when like the penguins are hijacking like one of the tour jeeps and then and then yeah and the song that's playing is more than a feeling i just watched that clip it's it's choice clips yeah, yeah. it's but, yeah i and then the penguins i'm not sure punch, what my... and then the penguins punch the old lady out of the jeep and it's the funniest shit i've ever seen <laughs> and they attempted to run her over <laughs> but oh, it's a kid's I... movie so you can't kill an old lady did got... yet no. You could have snagged an Emmy for no. killing a character in an animated movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't really know what like my first exposure to Boston was since I've heard more than a feeling more times than I can count. Mm. But um, there is an NSP cover of the song. Is it better than the original? No. But it's there and it exists. It exists. So <laughs> Ninja Sex Party, I don't expect a band like that to do like covers, you know? They have three cover albums. I think they're worth checking out. Hmm. Before you go on to their original material, which you might not like since it's all sex jokes. I'm I'm a simple man. I make the occasional sex joke. I might like it. <laughs> anyway, what else what else what is uh what else is on the cover albums? Oh jeez. Uh they cover at least one rush song every cover album. Uh, so- they cover two Peter Gabriel songs, hmm. different albums. They cover Don't Fear the Reaper, and I think it's one of their best covers since they add this, like, string arrangement in the beginning. It's very cool. We love our string arrangements. (laughs) But is there any cowbell? (laughs) Maybe. Can't wait for the next cover out when they do La Blues. (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, what were we talking about? Oh, that's right, Boston. I don't really have any... Indeed. Honestly, I think this album is just... I, I think it's pretty good, although I don't really have any emotional attachment to it. That might be because I've never been to Boston before. Indeed. Oh, I, I have been to Boston before, and I can guarantee you, no emotional attachment. <laughs> Never yeah, been to Boston, d- yeah. but I know people who have gone. What yeah. goes down in Boston? Uh, don't you know it's when, a- when I went to Boston, we did a cool, um, we, we watched his, a historical trail guide thing through the American... <laughs> happened. That was interesting. Did not give me any uh, concrete opinions on the... No. I could barely understand the story through your mic cutting out, but it was great. <laughs> Oh, that's... Anyway, um, don't you it's know... It's not that... It... Okay. Anyway, don't you know that it's, like, it's a tradition for, like, every Boston fan to take a pilgrimage to Boston? The they're... the rock and roll hodge to yeah. Boston? Yeah. They're not real Boston fans until they go to Boston. What even is in Boston? Uh, uh the Boston Massacre is in Boston. Oh, of course. The one that I took a trail tour of when I went to Boston... You know that what one, the famous Boston Massacre. You know what else? Sure you like the ex- but you know what else is in? You want to know? Oh, what that else? too. You know what else is in Boston? Uh, a, a baseball stadium. Oh yeah. No way. And lobsters, I think. I thought lobsters was Maine. <laughs> oh, maybe it's in Boston. Maybe <laughs> lobsters are in more than one place. Yeah. No crabs are in Maryland. That's like but their that's dish. Just a I mean, I'm a Marylander. Can confirm. <laughs> Anyway, you know what else is in Boston? Uh, the Boston Rag. That is the Steely Dan reference, which you guys won't get for like a year or so when we get to that Steely am, Dan album. I'm so trying to refrain from listening to another Steely Dan album, but it's I'm not addic- sure if I can. It's quite addictive. I really want to just get to Countdown to Ecstasy on here. <laughs> you know, maybe the wheel will be lucky to us and give us Countdown to Ecstasy. Please, wheel gods. <laughs> but of course, the wheel gods don't listen to us because we're just mere mortals. <laughs> anyway, um... It kind of took me a while to warm up to Peace of Mind, but uh, what really hooked me onto that song was like the bridge where Brad's just going, Brad Delp is going, take a look ahead. And that that is like the peak of cool on this album for me. <laughs> it's a decent track. I, I'm not too fond of it. 
You're not too fond of anything classic rock. It's all about the you. deep cut prog stuff. <laughs> that may be true, but I still like this album. Yeah, well, I mean, oh, yeah, they do have some deep cut prog stuff on foreplay slash long time. Indeed, the best track on the album. <laughs> I, I I thought so. <laughs> it would be ironic if foreplay was your least favorite track because it was too long. I I'm not too like I don't like the little like hand clapping. And, like the chorus <laughs> that was I, I just <laughs> that was that was my kind of my setback too like every second that this band gets they're just gonna go yeah i'm like I think it's I'm like set up joy actually <laughs> yeah, yeah but if you know me seven out of ten too happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no tom york i like some whimsy in my music actually sorry yeah yeah i mean lizzie is one of the most whimsical murder ballad musicals ever have you not heard that part in What the Heck Now, Lizzie, where they, they pull out the whirly piano? Because that's the most whimsical thing I've ever heard. Uh, remind me again what a whirly piano is. Um, in fact, they do it on a piano to make it sound like the musical personification of a pinwheel going around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I don't uh, know how to explain it. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, um, you don't expect a, like one of these uh, dad rock bands like Boston to like go full prog but and yet they do and that's why foreplay is the best song off this album i heard foreplay on the radio and i was like is this yes they would never play yes on the radio unless it was owner of lonely heart or roundabout you've heard roundabout on the radio i mean yeah you have a point it's like once in a blue moon honestly and it's mostly i've only heard owner of a lonely heart it's mostly because of memes I might have heard Roundabout on the flashback show with used to be Little St. James, but now it's Matt Pinfield. They don't show it in my area anymore. Hmm. And that's a, that's yeah. a real shame. Yeah. Quite sad. Yeah. I feel like if, if foreplay was not attached to long time, I would not rate long time as as much as I did tonight because because foreplay it it makes the song work in my opinion. Like it like it, it's the perfect intro to that to that song you know it is it's like set up with this like killer like keyboard guitar and then and then it, hand it, clapping it, <laughs> it just it just explodes and then all of a sudden <laughs> like i'm grooving in my rick wakeman cape and then hand clapping i hate it why do you have a rick wakeman cape don't why question I? me <laughs> yeah why don't you have a rick wakeman cape <laughs> Yeah. We all have the Rick Wakeman cave. <laughs> Haven't you heard? I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've heard now.
reading up on this album, I found out that Tom Schultz, the like the the guitarist of this band and like the mastermind of this whole band, was a huge classical music fan. And I love that mm-hmm. because I, I I hate like the stereotype that rock and rollers and their fans just like shun classical music and they're just gonna make new, more energetic music. People can like any music they want, regardless of what genre they do. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot of classical music inspiration on this album. Like foreplay, foreplay, and like the middle section of Smokin' are obviously like inspired by like baroque music. The latter half of Smokin' is just mm, so good. Oh yeah, I feel like rock the rock and roll boogie song Smokin'. It was a fine song, and just like a little nice little hard rock boogie probably would have given it an eight. But the middle section, my gosh. <laughs> Are you sure that Rick, Rick, Ricky Wakeman isn't behind like the key, keys on that one? Because there's a harpsichord on that track. No one uses a harpsichord in cla- in rock music except for Rick Wakeman. God bless Rick Wakeman. We like harpsichords. Yeah. Harpsichords, A+. Plus. Yeah. That reminds me of the one Salmonella clip where it's mm. like, he's talking about the Dark Ages and how teenagers just stayed in the room and played harpsichord all day <laughs> and burned <laughs> heretics with their friends. That's the... <laughs> I love that. <laughs> is there any musicals that feature the harpsichord? I'm sure there are. I mean, there is one... In that, wait, when was this harpsichord in use? Like, what years? Like the... Because like I know there's some musicals about, like... 1700s or so. I'm trying to remember if Mozart used the harpsichord because there is a musical about Mozart and I think they probably used some of his favorite instruments in it. So I'd assume I, if he used the harpsichord, then the harpsichord's in that. But that's I, just an educated guess. I think when he was in, like, his adult years, he started using, like, the forte piano. The Bach was really, like, the... the he he and, like, Handel, Telemann, Vivaldi, they all used, like, harpsichord. No, wait, Vivaldi was a violinist. Oh, well. Yeah, string instrument nerd. <laughs> I've already uh, confessed that I am a classical music fan. I, on some days, I listen to classical music more than I do rock music, and that's very ironic because I am the host of this podcast. <laughs> but I digress. I don't listen to a ton of classical music, but we played some, um, I think we played some Bach and band this year, and I was like, mm, that's some good shit. That's that was like my favorite song we've played yet. I think. Peace. <laughs> I don't so, remember the name. It was like I'm Prelude s- something. I don't freaking know. I'm such a <laughs> classical music like uh, purist. It's not a song. It's a piece. Okay. Um. Actually, no. Actually, shush and actually go away. <laughs> okay. Fine. I won't. Look, if 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 you if we have to call it a piece, then you guys can't call it a soundtrack. You have to call it a cast recording. <laughs> oh and no. It's not, it's not a play, it's a musical. <laughs> it's it, gonna start fights today. It's not if, a, you're, if you're gonna start fights with me. It's not an album, it's a record. In in French, the word for play is actually peace. Huh. Just thought I'd put that out there. Very interesting. Actually, the French don't exist. Sorry. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, I did not put three years into that language just for you to say that French people don't exist. <laughs> Imagine putting three years into French. I could never It's a fun language. Wanna, who I know you? more of it than my actual like nationality language, which hmm. is Spanish. Hmm. Anyhow, um, notice I skipped rock and roll band when going from four point and long time to smoking. Yeah, I was going to mention that. Yeah. Does anyone here actually... What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not my favorite song on the album. Like, uh, I think it's, it's one of the better hits. Uh, it's that's not a bad. Fair opinion. I think, it's fine. I, I think it's like just a, like a rehash of peace of mind, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I kind of see that now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I mean they're in the same key, same tempo. <laughs> it's but it, it's fine. At least, uh, does it? Ha- I I forget. Does it have hand claps? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's why you like I it. I don't think so. Maybe that's why you like it. <laughs> Get some therapy. 
Does anyone like Hitch a Ride, though? I do not. I love- mm. oh my god, that's- I- oh, no. oh, I like that song, oh, guy. Okay. I- I really could, like, care for the, like, the lyrics, like, because it's a guy leaving New York in the middle of the night or something, but you're hit with, like, a Rick Wakeman-style organ solo, and you're like, ooh, and then you're hit with a guitar solo, and then you're like, ah, and then you're hit with a second guitar solo, and it is probably the best guitar showpiece of the entire album. It is so <laughs> melodic. And, and like it just I love that solo so much. You could like it the entire song is worth it for that guitar solo and I will die on this hill. It's definitely better than Peace of Mind. I probably need to give it a re-listen even though I listened to this album today. <laughs> yeah, the, the you you should listen to an album more than once to like get a full opinion on it. I yeah. know I know that's going to be a tough task for you guys to do since you guys are like so don't really have much time on your hands, but oh well. <laughs> The life of a music critic is oh so tough. Oh, I should. Oh my god, are we official music critics? No. <laughs> no, but, definitely no, not. I, I wish. But speaking of critics, Chris Yo, <laughs> <laughs> the Rolling Stone actually called. Uh, they called foreplay slash long time the perfect marriage between Led Zeppelin and Yes. Oh, I saw that. I of which uh... to which Chris Cow responded. When, oh, no. when when informed oh. that someone has created the American synthesis of Led Zeppelin and Yes, all I could do is hold my ears and say, "Gosh." <laughs> <laughs> and then he gave it a C. That's fair. A C for his last fair. name. Chris Gow. Give it a C for Chris Gow. Yep. <laughs> he he looked at two of their other albums, Don't Look Back and Third Stage. He gave uh, the the former a B minus, so he likes it better than the debut for some gosh darn reason. And he gave Third Stage another C. So suffice to say, I don't think he was a fan of Boston. Tragic. <laughs> uh, what does he think of the city of Boston? <laughs> he probably hates it. Who who doesn't? Filled with who Boston doesn't... and massacres and tea. No, a lack of tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, for the people wondering, hey, are you getting to Boston's other albums on this podcast? Those being Don't Look Back and Third Stage. All I could do is look at you and say, no, because why else would we review another Boston album that isn't the self-titled debut? Yeah, just no. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Boston's other albums, I'm sure they have good stuff on them. But what's really the point in looking at any of their other albums when you literally have every single hit they've ever had on the on the debut? Yeah, I'm looking through their top 10 on Spotify, and it's all just the debut <laughs> album, plus two songs from the other album. <laughs> and, and there you have it. We've listened to Boston's entire discography, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! Yeah. Also, that raised so the same energy as like somebody made a joke about how there were only like four Muppet songs that could, they were the only four that they ever seemed to do, and they were Rainbow Connection, the theme song, Menomina, Being Green. And somebody edited like the Muppet Wiki's category for Muppet songs, uh, and like so it was it's... only just those four <laughs> songs. Uh, that's great. <laughs> We've had I mean, like... I kind of feel bad for yeah. Boston as a group. Kind of. Me too. You know, funny story. Um, they were either given like a a ten year contract for six albums or a six year contract for ten albums. <laughs> and over the course of ten years, they only made three albums. <laughs> and that they released like something two- fishy here. <laughs> and they released like three more albums after those three albums, but uh, we don't talk about them, and likely <laughs> never will. The gap in between albums is just 
astounding. You got from 1976 to 1978, which isn't that bad. But then you got from 1978 to 1986. That's eight years. It's like waiting for the next uh, Radiohead or Tool album. I I was, oh my God, Andrew, I was going to refrain from being like, this is like Radiohead's discography. (laughs) Yeah. It's also like Tool. Yeah. I don't listen to Tool. I should though. Yeah, they're like I, I, I mentioned in the twenty one twelve episode. They're just, they're like an even heavier version of Rush, if that makes sense. All I've really heard is I think Lateralus. I I think I heard that on the one too, along with the Schism. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah, because Geddy Lee reacted to Schism. Oh, he listened to it and he's like, "The thing with these songs is something, something, something." I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah, they don't have they they yeah they don't have band members playing bass with with their hands and keyboards with their feet. They they just don't have that. <laughs> and if they did, that would be redeemable. Imagine using math to create a song. Two plus two. Imagine e- using two plus two equals seen... the lyrics. Indeed. There's like a little. AI thing that generates oh, so the harmony generator. No, it, it's like uh-huh. uh, it, like Vinny had a video about it. This song does I, not exist. I think they had like uh, some Google did something like similar for like Box Birthday. They could just you could just make your up your own like s- song music thing. I don't know. It's probably not Open the same AI. thing. Hmm. Open AI. That's what it is. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, what's the uh, worst song on here? Why is it something about you? No. <laughs> it's just a rehash. It's like, it's a rehash of Rock and Roll Band, which itself is a rehash of Peace of Mind. It's just regurgitating material. This episode is just repeated conflicts between us. <laughs> yeah. And I really hope this is the episode with the most conflicts between us. Yeah, I, I don't think that'll happen. Nothing will top it when I accidentally said I didn't like Aftershocks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand the metaphor! <laughs> well, it's been months, and I do understand the metaphor now. I have been listening to something about you, like on loop, since I listened to the album. It's just maybe like, like the chorus. It's so good. I love the harmonies that I, they pull out. I can see that, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's. I think there are other reasons why you like this more because I, a they don't play this song on the radio as much, and <laughs> and b there is no. Exactly. Whenever I see like a song on an album with like the least listens, I'm like, all right, I might like this, this is, one. This is some good. <laughs> yeah, this is some good shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like a 30 second song that has absolutely no views whatsoever. This must be the best song ever. <laughs> <laughs> it only makes me the second most pretentious person on this podcast. Oh, am I the first? <laughs> Because I listen to you listen, Bach. You listen to classical. You listen to classical, Henry. <laughs> Don't believe everything. Wait, that I'm Mr. not pretentious. You, do you guys think I'm pretentious or no. not pretentious? Well, no, you're yeah. a band slash Peter kid. We don't count. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Yeah, we're just inherently pretentious. <laughs> I think we're all just pretentious, and we just don't want to admit it. Anyway, uh, like him or not, he spit in fact. If you're on the Rock of Ages podcast, you're a pretentious prick. Yeah, <laughs> just. Anthony Fantano is going to do a call-out post on us. Like, <laughs> these guys are pretentious. Don't listen to them. What if Anthony Fantano listen to us? I don't know. Hope we Hi, Anthony. Fight. Can you give Silk Sonic's album more than a seven, please? Anyway, I oh. let me take you home tonight. I think it's a good song. I think it suffers a bit because it's the closer. I don't think it's a good closer. I think it's a good song, but I think it's not a good closer. Damn. Yeah, it's not a good closer. It, like, kicks I up, think it's fine. It kicks up notch in like, the last minute, but... Mm, 
It could do well as like a single B-side. I don't know. Mayhaps. Could have done better like in somewhere like in the middle of the album, maybe like opening up the side two or something. Maybe in the middle of Just, side two. Um, swap places with uh, something about you. Infinitely better. Huh. I'm trying to picture that in my head and I can't. <laughs> so. That's all right. In fact, Boston was uh, nominated for Best Debut Band for the Grammys, and you know who they lost to? Steely Dan. Starland Vocal Band. <laughs> what? Oh. The Afternoon Delight. Literally who? <laughs> Afternoon Delight is... It's the wor- it's, it's, some people say it's the worst song of all time. I don't know. It's a really stupid song, but I'm kind of attracted to it. It's a cute song. Like, <laughs> it sounds cute. In the words of Homer Simpson, Starline Vocal Band, they suck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who doesn't suck? Boston. Boston. Or at least their self-titled yeah. debut doesn't suck. <laughs> All right, actually. Thank you, Boston. Yeah. It actually sounds like you guys don't like this album, so I'm going to... I. I think I'm just I'm gonna start off the going around the room because I, I want to balance off your mean meanie meanness. I'm gonna <laughs> give it a cold hard eight. And I know what you're thinking. That's so generous. You shouldn't be a critic. Well, guess what? I'm not a I'm not a critic. I you're just. A, <laughs> what are you then, if not a critic? I am Iron Man. <laughs> anyway, I just I cue the Avengers theme. Top ten cool people moments. <laughs> anyway, I think yeah, this album is overplayed, but. There's just something about these songs that makes me just go back every time. Like, I'm not going to say, I mean, obviously, More Than a Feeling is not the best song off this album. Like, it just obviously isn't. Like, even though it's really good, there's like a couple other songs that are better than it, especially like Foreplay and Long Time and Smoking is also very good. And I don't care how many times you guys say it, Hitch a Ride is good. Mm, okay. I, th- I, I, I will say, though, for a... Uh, eight song album i'd say that five five of those songs are stone cold classics and three of them i would just like skip yeah that's exactly my like to dislike ratio on spotify yeah. I mean, yeah, that's kind of stone cold classics but like yeah, three are better than others yeah it's kind of like the eagles if it, they weren't mediocre eagles my friend. the eagles just <laughs> eagles my friend we're gonna become pretentious oh. now okay that's it whoopsie i forgot actually it's eagles <laughs> Um, actually? It's not the Eagles, guys. It, they're just Eagles. <laughs> but yeah, I give this an 8 out of 10, because even though I like 5 out of 8 of the songs on this album, those 5 songs, and while they're overplayed, they just have so much going for them. They, they just sound so big and wonderful. I just, they just, they, they give the album some extra points. So, giving this an 8. <laughs> How about you, Isaiah? Um... Mine is a bit generous too, but I was initially thinking a 7.9. I think that's a good score for this album. Mm-hmm. While it, re- it it does receive a ton of air, uh, radio play, um, it's it's a good album. You know, mm-hmm. these like hits are hits for a reason, and I think we can appreciate it for that. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, seven point nine. Same thing you gave uh, Bowie's Young Americans and pictures at an exhibition. Yeah. Now that I mention it, uh, four point does sound like something ELP would do. Mm, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was gonna give it like a six and a half. Valid. Six and a half. I, I said it. I was just being really quiet because I had to like step away from my phone for a second. I I can respect that. This is a this is a podcast of nothing but respect. What about mm-hmm. you? Well, I get, I said six point five. Uh, eight. Alright. It's good. It's good and nothing more. Yeah. We did it, guys. We, we cracked the code. It's good and nothing more. Also, fun uh, fun story, like, this album sold, like, hotcakes when it was first released. Never would have thought. Yeah, it has, like, all the songs are classic rock radio hits to this day. I can't, I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I can't imagine ever selling well. This must be forgotten to the wind. But, yeah, Boston, they were, like... They opened for bands like uh, Black Sabbath and the like, and there's this famous story about uh, them opening for Foghat in Milwaukee. Foghat, they did like, slow ride, take it easy. As I know from Guitar Hero. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the Milwaukee radio DJs, he uh, he mentioned uh, the, the show that was going on, but he failed to mention Foghat, and he, but he, and, he, and he cited Boston as the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Foghat promptly fired Boston from opening up for them. <laughs> that, that reminded me of, like, the story I told about when Rush opened for Shauna Nah. <laughs> Which reminds me of when Hendrix opened up for uh, the uh, Monkees and they got booed off the stage and didn't last a week. Nice little throwback to two episodes ago. Or three. Three episodes ago. Yeah, time, yeah. time, time means nothing to us now. <laughs> oh, and speaking of, a long week from now... Six weeks ago, when we were doing our great comet movie auditions, I I just thought of someone who would be perfect for Helene, which I should have said six weeks ago, and that person is Uma Thurman. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait to not get to any more of Boston's material. Woohoo. I forgot to tell a little fun story. In my computer design class, we were watching a video about Paula Cher who did the cover art for this album. And oh. I'm pretty sure she called it stupid. Oh, I love I love I love the uh, cover art. It's it's pretty cool. It's, it's uh, cool, but she also did the cover art to Billy Joel's The Stranger. Very good album. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Also, um let's talk about that cover art a little bit because I I, I can't believe I neglected to talk <laughs> about it because so because it depicts like a bunch of UFOs escaping from a uh, from Earth and all those uh, UFOs have like cities inside of them, which is proved only proves my theory that all people from Boston are aliens. How else will you explain their Bostonian accents? Clearly, Boston has an agenda. Yeah. I only recently found out that the UFOs are actually guitars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it took me a bit of thing. If you go to our album and song links channel, and you can see like the, the cover of Boston. If you look really hard, you'll find out that all of these UFOs are guitars. Indeed. It's, it's pretty, and it's pretty Very cool. classic album cover. Yeah. Also, here's the band Boston. We have Tom in the black shirt, uh, Sib with the afro, and lead singer Mark Delp in the, the white shirt. Those three guys are both in the middle. And the two guys on the far left and the far right, they don't play on any song on here except for foreplay and Let Me Take You Home Tonight. <laughs> this is really just Tom Schultz's passion project here. <laughs> that radiated the same energy as when like the actual singers behind Millie Vanilli released an album <laughs> and like the actual lead singers were on like the left and right of the group photo 
and um, like the other <laughs> three ran. The, the three like background vocalists were like in the hmm. front. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I should also let you know something about Tom Schultz. He's the the tall guy who looks a little bit like Roger Waters. I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> but he is the only guy in Boston who is not from Massachusetts. Bruh. This is so sad. Alexa, play Hitch a Ride. This is false advertising at its finest. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad we looked at Boston's entire discography today. <laughs> it's like if our <laughs> podcast was in Maryland. All right. Uh, time to spin the wheel now. And remember. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. Spin the wheel. And remember, if we, look, if we get a concert album or a rock up, or we have to look at a Sondheim, th- Sondheim thing for episode 47, because I'm nice. Okay. Very for- nice. All right. All right. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. You guys are going to hate me for this. Oh, no. And the next album we'll be looking at is Bob Dylan, Blonde on Blonde. Oh! Jackson comes back for that one. That's the freaking, the one where he looks like the fourth doctor from Doctor Who on the album cover. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) All right, thank you. (laughs) 